Well, we're in, we're in Hebrews chapter two, and I know we've already spent a significant amount of time, and you with kiddos this morning are probably wondering how long are we actually going to go this morning? And uh, I promise we'll take care of you well. Hebrews chapter two, 14 through 15. This text is super powerful. And uh, I've also provided notes under the Sunday gathering there because we won't be able to touch base on all that I would love to share with you this morning. And so if you'll look under, uh, on your app under Sunday gathering, there are some notes there to kind of guide uh, our time together. We've been looking at uh, Hebrews chapter two, talking about why has Jesus come? What has Jesus come to do? And in Hebrews chapter one, we saw this is the nature and character of Jesus. This is who Jesus is. But we see in this, in Hebrews chapter two, that Jesus came to be our guide, to give us hope, to be obedient to the Father's purpose, to lead us to glory, to sanctify us, to make us one and bring us into a family. And in Hebrews two, chapter 14 and 15, we see the next reason for why Jesus came. It says this, since therefore... The children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. This text tells us one thing very simply Jesus came to cause us not to fear death and to give us life. Jesus came to cause us not to fear death and give us life. The reality is, the reason the writer wrote this is because the majority of us fear death. In fact, I read a study this past week, I believe it was put out by by Oxford University, and it said that actually, when they looked at the study, that those who have some type of faith belief, and those outside of any type of faith belief, religious, non-religious, Fear of death is exactly the same. Now, that doesn't necessarily tell me that what we believe in this room and what we choose to know about the Bible and what we choose to believe about our future hope, it's not that those realities aren't true. It's just the fact that I don't know that those realities have actually taken much root in our life. In fact, I, I, I read something this week from Martin Luther. It said, it takes more than milk faith, baby faith, to await a death for which most of the saints themselves have been and are still in dread. We fear death. We fear death and we avoid it at all cost. In fact, if you look at our old Christmas songs, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, they speak of death. It says, from depths of hell, thy people save and give them victory over the grave. Disperse thy gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. That's what Jesus came to do. Hark the herald angels sing, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die. And of course, we got grandma got ran over by a reindeer. When he found her Christmas morning at the scene of her attack, she had hoof prints on her forehead and incriminating claws marks on her back. But if we think about the reality of Christmas, most of us don't want to focus on death. We want to avoid death. But Christmas 
is about death. Jesus came, Jesus was born to die. Hebrews chapter 2, 14 to 15, Jesus came to die. Jesus came as a human because only in his human nature could he die. He came to die to destroy the power of the enemy and to set us free. Jesus came to die. And we fear death for numerous reasons. We fear death because of fear of leaving loved ones. We, we fear of dying prematurely. We leave things undone. We, we fear the pain. We fear of the unknown. What's next? And what we see in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 15 is if we could grasp the reality of what this text says, we can be set free from fear of death. The first thing it tells us that Jesus had to take on our nature. Jesus had to become human because we are flesh and blood. Jesus had to partake. He had to take on things that were not of his nature. He had to take of those things on himself. He had to become like us. He had to become human because we are human. He had to take on our nature. He took on our nature, number two, to be subjected to death because only humans die. So it's in that sense that Jesus did that. He did that so that he could die. He was born to die. The purpose of the incarnation of Jesus was the crucifixion. Jesus was, number three, subjected to death. Tells us in the text to destroy the devil because the devil has the power of death. We're gonna talk about that here in a second. And Jesus came to destroy the devil, why? To deliver us from fear of death and to give us life, to set us free. It says we've been in lifelong slavery. And maybe we're here this morning and, and we don't realize that we've been set free. Maybe we, we don't realize this morning that, that no one is standing over us, enslaving us any longer because of what Jesus Christ has come to do. It says in this text that he has enslaved us. There is one who has power of death. What is his power? Well, in Luke chapter 11, verse 21, 22, it says this. It says, when a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. This is a picture of what Jesus came to do. Jesus was the stronger man. The devil stood over his palace. You were one of his captives. He's had the power over death, enslaving you, holding you captive. And Jesus comes as the stronger man to set you free. What's the weapon that the enemy uses? Well, he uses fear of death to gain control over your lives. Because if you can keep someone fearful of death, they'll actually never have life. And that's where he has most of us. That's why Martin Luther says it takes more than milk faith to not live in dread of death that is to come. 
And what God said in this moment is he said, you might take my children, you might hold them captive because their sins have consequences, but I am going to take their consequences on the life of my son and I'm going to set them free. Some of us are still living in this palace enslaved, even though the person at the door has no weapons to hold us there. Some of us are living as if there's still this, this place of fear that we need to be set free from. And what's interesting, if we ask, what is it that, that is really the power over us? What is it that keeps us enslaved? And I think we touched on it last week. The enemy wants you to feel shame and guilt and let you believe, one, you're still in your sins. Two, God will never accept you. Three, there's nothing that awaits you and on and on and on. There is no future hope. And the enemy will do everything he can to share that with you. And here's what I would tell you what we said last week. Jesus is not ashamed to call you family. There is no excuse we can give for him to cast us out. And so we're free. In this passage, we we see that we're, we're free, that we can truly believe that there is not punishment that awaits us, but there's peace. There's not consequences that await us, but blessing. There's not separation that awaits us, but unity. But our accuser, the liar, the enemy wants to throw guilt and shame on our lives. And here's what we can say based on Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 15. We're not accepted on our life. We're accepted on the life of Jesus. Jesus came to destroy. He took away the strong man's power, which means he's no longer strong. He no longer has strength over you. He has been disarmed. Colossians chapter 2, 13 through 15, it says, he disarmed them by nailing my depth to the cross. He took away the one weapon that he could use against me, my sins, and they've been nailed to the cross of Jesus. And in that, we, we see the liar's been revealed. We understand the accuser now has been revealed, and we see that Jesus has come to give us life. So what implications does this have for our life? You're like, this is the fastest sermon you've ever walked through, Justin, right? Few verses, John eleven twenty five. 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. John eight fifty one. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. Because of Jesus, we don't have to avoid death. We can embrace death. We can even welcome death. It is this passage alone that allows martyrs to stand in the the midst of their accusers with boldness because they know what awaits them. Death does not hold them. Life is awaiting them. Martin Luther, in the midst of the the pandemic, he began giving uh, in his time, he, not in our time, uh, but they they were suffering from a great plague. And he began to give wisdom and speak to how the church should respond and and how people and healthcare and and government leaders and how how Christians should respond in the midst of this. He gave some very poignant instructions, but not only that, he also 
gave some instructions on how do we live in preparation for death, for death. I want to share these three with you this morning quickly. The first, and these are in Justin Bendel translation, not Martin Luther translation. Ultimately, what he was saying is seek to be faithful in the life God has given you. So much of life can be focused on death that we don't actually live. And what's interesting is how we think about death affects how we live. So many who are living in fear of death are not actually living their life. And we as believers in Jesus have a hope, have a future. We are not people of death, we are people of life and this should posture us differently. This should posture us how we live. We are not defeated. And so there's a hope. And so we should be faithful, seek to be faithful with the life God has given us. Number two, we should continually remember the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and its implications for our life. One of the reasons we gather together regularly and typically we regularly gather together and celebrate communion as an opportunity to celebrate and remember the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. We're gonna do that next Sunday. But every day is an opportunity. Every morning when we wake up, we need to think and remember what Jesus has accomplished for us and how that changes how we live. Number three, don't put off till tomorrow what you have opportunity for today. The truth is death is coming for all of us. 10 out of 10 people will die. And what I wanna encourage us in this morning is wherever we stand, that we would be reminded that what we decide about Jesus today is really the most important decision we'll ever make in our entire life. First John 5.12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. It's interesting in the Bible when you read about death, the Bible actually speaks of two deaths. It speaks of two deaths, but it also speaks of two births. And only those who experience two births will never experience two deaths. Why? Because Jesus takes away the power of death by removing the second death. Revelation 26. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. What is the second death? Revelation 20, 14 through 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in, written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's the second death. And you ask, well, well, how do you get your name written in the book of life? Be born again, have two births. In John chapter three, Jesus was speaking with Nicodemus and they were talking about being born again. And this term confused Nicodemus. It's like I was born in my mother's womb and, and there's a second birth. There's one born of the spirit of God, that the spirit of God would come and move in the life of a person. 
And that's the new birth. That's the new creation that God comes to bring. And it's only those who have experienced that new birth, who have been born again, who have experienced new creation that will not experience the second death. So very poignantly, I would just say, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Has there been a second birth? Yes, you can probably count back and, and look back on a date in history which you were born that you celebrate each and every year, the year of your birthday. But is there a day in which you can look back where Christ Jesus came into your life and changed you and took away the fear of death? The enemy is no longer standing at the gate holding you captive. If that's true, you have been set free. And if that's not true, you can be set free this morning. The Heidelberg Catechism, which is basically a, a question and answer, something that, that should and encouraged to be, to be memorized, sums up Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15 very succinctly. It says this, what is your only comfort in life and death? Your only comfort. The answer, that I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and he has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready for now on to live for him. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we... We're thankful for this text, which reminds us that we, we have been set free. Not free to sin, but free to live. Free to have life. Free to experience the fullness of joy that you've come to bring us. And so Lord, I pray that we would recognize that the enemy has no power over us this morning this morning that we can be a strong and courageous people because we know what awaits us, those who are in Christ Jesus. And I pray for my friends here this morning who have not been set free. Lord, that even in the next few moments, that they would be born again, that they would experience a second birth so as not to experience a second death. Lord, thank you for coming. Thank you for destroying the one who has the power of death and delivering us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.